Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, and review. Hang out with us for a while, right here on the Jam Session Podcast, sponsored as always by Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America, fraternal financial organization. Hector can help you plan for your family's future. Also, of course, Greening Law, they fight that legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, though? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast, version 198, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained, bitches. Yeah, whoa, that is entertainment (laughs) right off the top today. There's a reason why when you download the podcast in bold lettering, it says contains explicit language. <laughs> Sometimes I just like to shake you out a little. Sometimes you need that. We've got a loaded podcast, man. We'll, we've got to jump into Dan Quinn, who I think surprised all of us by letting everyone know he's coming back to the Dallas Cowboys. We're going to have Clarence Hill Jr. from the Fort Worth Star-Telegram talking about that, as well as ESPN's Ed Werder. We have, we have to have a Mavs conversation, too, because they've been – having some good things and some unfortunate things happening there. But we do always want to start you off telling you about our sponsors. And, of course, we can't do this without them. They mean so much to us and really do hope that you guys will consider using them for some of the needs that you have in your life. Of course, Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America. You can give him a call, 940-453-3490. And Hector can show you a way to build for your future. It really, I mean, that's basically what it's about is, is finding the things that he can do to help you so that down the road you are set up and ready to go. And as a matter of fact, Hector will tell you that sometimes it's just as simple as this. Someone in front of me, on the phone, on Zoom, whatever, it, it just, the floodgates just open. You know, the other thing too, guys, is that some people are like, well, I, I don't have, I, I just don't have that. Why would I call him? I, I just I just work here. I have my 401k, but that's it. And that's what a lot of people think sometimes. But let's take a look at that. What can we? What more can we do? One of the things that I always ask people whenever we're going through the budget is like, hey, do you get a tax refund? Some people are like, oh, I get five thousand back. I'm like, why are you doing that? Why are you celebrating that? I said you're loaning the government five thousand dollars interest free. Would you give me five thousand dollars interest free? No. I said, well, let's adjust your W four. So that way you get an extra $500 a month. People don't know that we can help them where they're at. And we look at all kinds of stuff. They just don't know how we can help them. I think that's it. They don't realize how we can help them. And that's the thing, as you may be thinking the same thing. Well, how it can be something as simple as that. It could be something more intricate. But the thing of it is, Hector can help you. And it's as simple as making the phone call. 
940-453-3490. It is non-fee-based. It costs absolutely nothing to meet with Hector. So give him a call and set it up. He can help you. 940-453-3490. Also, of course, the attorneys at Greening Law, if you, like me, several months back were hurt in a car accident, or if you've experienced malpractice, or, I mean, they've represented clients, look, from car accidents to birth injuries to sexual assault cases involving clergy and hospitals, all all kinds of things. Pick up the phone and give Robert Greening and his guys a call. I think the thing about Greening Law, man, is they're so good at what they do because they keep you informed. They take care of all little things. They tell you information that you didn't even know you should know. And then, y'all know it's a big one for me, man. You don't ever have to worry about how hard they're working. Like, they've got a lot of clients. Are they really focused on me? Because they don't get paid unless you get paid. They have every incentive in the world to be as, as good on your case as they are at everybody else's case because they're trying to get paid. They want you to get paid. And for me, that's a great way to do business. Yeah, and you'd be surprised. I mean, the process is very easy. I've gone through it again, like I said. I mean, I've been working with the Green Team and Greening Law since July of last year when I had my car accident. And it's easy. All you got to do is pick up the phone and make the call. 972-934-8900. It's 972-934-8900. Robert Greening, offices, Dallas, Texas. Dan Quinn. I got to tell you, man, I, I thought there is no way in hell Dan Quinn will be on the staff in 2022. And the more jobs that started to open in the offseason, because I believe there's nine openings, and obviously a couple have been filled, but nine openings, thought there is no way that almost a third of the teams in the NFL are looking for a coach and Dan Quinn isn't going to be one of them. But I was wrong because Dan Quinn is coming back. Dude, you know what, man? I saw something on Facebook the other day. Um, not Facebook. It was a snap. I don't know what it was. Uh, it was something. Twitter somewhere. And it listed, it was somebody who covers the NFL who's got a decent number of followers, you know, 70, 80, 90,000, whatever it was. So somebody who's legitimately covers the league. And he was filling in who he thought was getting jobs. And I can't, clearly I can't remember who did it. But what I do remember is he didn't have Dan Quinn getting a job. And I remember, th- this was like three days ago. And I remember going, exactly. I was like, wow, that's interesting. So he doesn't think Quinn's getting a job. And uh, apparently this dude was right because he, he didn't get one. And the thing about, about, um, Quinn is that um, I've told you this about Dion, man, as it relates to his next job in college. Like, he don't have to take a job because he got money. He could take a job that fits him and where he wants to go and where he thinks he can really succeed. I think Dan Quinn is the same way. He's like, I got life-changing money when I was the Falcons head coach. They're still paying me. Mm -hmm. Of all these jobs out here, you know, maybe it's, it's the Broncos job that I want. And maybe it's the Bears job because they got quarterbacks and they got pieces I can use, blah, blah, blah. These other places with dysfunctional organizations and all of this, bump that. I ain't trying to go there. So if I can get one of these two jobs, I good. And if not, I sit my ass back in Dallas, coach another bunch of good players on defense, see if we can replicate the year and have a great year and throw my name out in the hopper the next year. Yeah, it makes sense to me. And once he kind of – it sounds like he really wanted the Denver job. And once that didn't happen for him, and I, I kind of thought because, you know, you would read, oh, he grew up a Giants fan. He interviewed with the Giants. I thought, well, maybe, but you just never know. You, you never know, like, what situation a coach is looking for. And apparently he wanted to walk in with an opportunity. He, it doesn't sound like he wants to be the coach of a rebuilding team. 
Like, he doesn't want to go because he turned down a chance with Jacksonville. Like, he doesn't want to go into a situation like that. And like you're talking about, he's at a point where he can pick and choose. And if it's not exactly what he wants, well, hell, you got a pretty good in Dallas. Dallas, we love you in Dallas. He seems to really enjoy Dallas. And from everything I've heard, the Jones family seems to really be impressed and love Dan Quinn. Dude, Dan Quinn did a hell of a job for him, man. And Dan, here's, and, you know, I have this conversation with a lot of different people, man. Like, I think my father, season ticket holder for the Bills for damn near 30 years. I think he's, everything to him is about the coaches didn't do this or the coaches did this. He very rarely gives the players credit or blame outside of Josh Allen. For him, it's all about the coaches. They should have done this or they should have done that. Well, I'm not like that. I, I try to look at it in a couple of different ways. But I got to tell you, man. You had to be impressed with Dan Quinn, and this is what I'm getting at. The way he saw Michael Parsons, he's like, oh, that dude's got a special skill set. Let me not just put him in a cookie-cutter box. Let me go. Let me be all exotic with him. And, you know, Trayvon Diggs, oh, where are other corners? I right, but this dude seems like he can really be special. Let me, uh, let me let him follow the best receiver all over the place. And uh, let me get this dude, J. Ron Curse, that ain't nobody heard of because I think he can really do something with his length and his speed and his athleticism and cover tight ends and really be a factor even though ain't nobody heard of him. He got this really specific role that he can handle. And the point is, look at all the players on defense that he just kind of put them in certain places yeah. and they performed. And, dude, they didn't cost a lot of money. And so I think when you get him back, you can say, he can go out in free agency and say, okay, I need to do this again with these kind of one-year kind of deals on three or four spots. You know, and um, I think he did a hell of a job and was really good. And I think you feel better about him <laughs> than you feel about Kellen Moore. And that's not that's not to say you don't feel good about Kellen Moore, you don't like Kellen Moore. I said you probably feel better about Dan Quinn. Oh, yeah, for and sure. What he can do yeah. than Kellen Moore and what he can do based on what you've seen lately. I mean, all, all we keep hearing about Kellen Moore is how great and uh, he's a whiz kid and he's all this. And, and sometimes it feels like we see that. And then sometimes it feels like he gets in his own way. And we all saw the offense at the end of the year, and we all wondered, well, how come you can't scheme to get Amari Cooper open or CeeDee Lamb open? How come you're not using Tony Pollard more if Zeke... There's so many different things that, to me, I look at and go, well, Kellen Moore's so great. How come they struggled like they did in the playoff game? It, but point being, it's almost to a point now, and I wonder how many Cowboys fans feel this way, that if Kellen Moore, who apparently is getting a second interview with the Miami Dolphins... If the Dolphins decided to hire Cullen Moore, I wonder how many Cowboys fans would even care. Well, see, I think that's the um, – I get it. I don't think that's the right approach, but I get it. Um, you know, I think um, he's – I think he's a young coordinator who's really good, who ran into a rough spot last year, and you find out about people – I mean, every coach has a rough spot. Um, and then that's when you find out whether they're legit or not is when he comes back next year and puts it together. And so I think he can still be a really good coordinator because um, he did a lot of really good things. Um, but uh, I get why people are like, oh, get him out of here and let's go hire the next guy. Yeah, so I think it's nice that they have the continuity. I, I don't think Kellen Moore is going to get a job. It, it sounds like Miami is all about Brian Dayball, who, of course, was 
Tua Tunga Viola's quarterbacks, like his offensive coordinator at Alabama when he was in college. He Dable was there underneath Nick Saban and then moved on. And so Miami has that connection. He knows Tua. Sounds like there might be something to that. I do think that they're going to have Kellen and Dan Quinn back. We know Dan Quinn's coming back. And we just found out this afternoon, according to Jory Epstein on on USA Today, that the Cowboys have assured Mike McCarthy that he will remain the head coach in 2022 and that he got assurance after the wild card loss and he also got it again this week after the Sean Payton retirement. And so they're, they're going to move forward. This is, it was always going to be, I think, Mike McCarthy coming back for year three. The question was going to be, are the coordinators coming back? And, and we'll, I'll be curious to see if having that continuity matters. Um, I, think it, I think it matters. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think it matters um, because whenever you can, I mean, just look at us, man. This is our third or fourth year working together. We're yeah. hell of a lot better than we were in our first year. Why? Because we can, I can anticipate how you think. You can anticipate how I think, and true, and, and all of that. So the deeper you get into an, an offense, like this year, Dan Quinn doesn't have to teach the defense. Now he can work on specifics. He can give guys different packages. He can work on next-level stuff because you know the basics of the defense. So continuity matters. It's not the end-all, be-all, and you don't want to keep a shitty coach just so we can have continuity. But uh, continuity matters, and um, I'm excited to see what the defense can do because check this out, man. For all the bitching and moaning we do about the Cowboys' offense the second half of the season, and – it was warranted because they were consistently inconsistent. All right. You can win with defense, bro. I mean, if you can figure out how to put a defense together, you can win with that. You don't have to win with offense. You can win with defense. And if they can put enough pieces together, maybe, and you, we saw it the second half of the year, maybe they win with defense. Maybe they do. And again, I, I do think, I think it's interesting because I don't know that this team is going to be as good talent wise as they were this past season. And the way that the NFC played out, and there really wasn't – we talked about it all year. There, there was not a, a dominant, great team this year, which is why the playoffs have turned out the way they have. But because they play in the NFC East, I still look at this and I go, I, I don't know how much better Washington's going to be. They're, they're probably starting a rookie quarterback. Yeah, Philadelphia maybe continues to develop a little bit, but I don't know how much I buy into Jalen Hurts being a guy that's going to win the division for you. And then obviously the Giants that are in a cluster and they're going to have another first-year head coach and they've got all kinds of problems with the Giants. It still feels like it's you and Philadelphia in this division and if you can go 5-1, and 6-0 and against the East, you're probably in the playoffs. Well, I mean, let's keep it real, man. I mean, New England did that for, for a decade. Yeah. It's a raggedy-ass AFC East with Buffalo, the Jets, and the Dolphins. Uh, the difference, of course is that they were legitimate because they beat the hell out of those teams and then they won Super Bowls. That's <laughs> so, true, yes. You know, but they used those to get one or two seeds, get bye week, have home games, and get to the AFC Championship with one win. And then that puts you one game away from the yeah. Super Bowl, blah, 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 blah. The Cowboys have not done that. This is an opportunity for them to uh, – you know what, man? I'm just going to say it. Because the Cowboys haven't been to the playoffs in consecutive years since 06, 07, uh, because they haven't won 10 games in consecutive years or more since 95-96, uh, uh, dude, if they can put together 11-12 wins again next year, win the East and get to the playoffs, that'll be impressive. Even sure. though, even though 
they got to make news when they get there. You know what I mean? Or yeah. noise, not news. Or both. I mean, news would be getting to the NFC Championship game. That'd be some damn nice news to have. Yeah, but you're right, bro. It's uh, it's all about the playoffs. I mean, I thought it was all about the playoffs this year, but now that they lost in the first round, I don't think there's any doubt that next year it's wake us up when the divisional playoffs start. Pretty much. I mean, honestly, that's kind of where I'm at with this thing. You know, it's really interesting because I have a, a friend here who works at the radio station, does the show before me, and he is not a Cowboys fan, really doesn't care either way about the Cowboys. He is more, I can't figure out what he is. He's a steel. I think he's a Packers fan, and then his fiance is a Steelers fan. And so he, we were having this conversation earlier this week where he said, you know, it's weird. He goes, I never really liked the Cowboys or anything. He's like, but, you know, we're friends now, and he goes, I actually felt bad when they lost. And, and he said, and this, this blew my mind. But then I was like, you know what? He's right. He goes, I just think it'd be cool for you guys to have some success because it's been so long. Like, you know what I mean? And I just looked at him and I was like, well, I was like, oh, my God, you're we are one of those franchises. He, he lit, <laughs> I kid you not. I swear to you, this is a conversation I had. He goes like Cincinnati. Like, it's cool that Cincinnati got to the AFC title game. He's like, it'd be cool to see them win. He goes, I feel, you know, Dallas is starting to become like that. What do you think? And I was like. I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> and I was like, my God, this is just a, 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 not a, again, not a Cowboys fan at all. Doesn't care about the Cowboys, but he was exactly right. I was like, there are people out there that watch the NFL that are starting to just kind of be like, man, you know, it might be kind of cool for those Cowboys fans to get to experience that sometime. Bro. That blew my mind that he said that. <laughs> this is the time where I go. You know, sometimes it's good not to have an emotional investment in the team. <laughs> <laughs> but he's I can, right. I can sit from afar and watch, but I get it. And so, uh, and, and I say that with a little bit of levity because um, being a reporter in Dallas, not owning my own company in Dallas, that would be the JJT Media Group for you mm -hmm. guys who need, who need content created. Um, it's clearly better for business when the Cowboys win and the city is happy. And everybody's feeling great. I mean, look at the first seven weeks, man. Everywhere you go, people, hey, how are you doing today, sir? Oh, fine, madam. How are you today? Yeah. Oh, it's a lovely day outside. And these days, hey, what's up, man? Fuck you, man. Get out of my face. What's wrong with you, man? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's true. It is it's true. A, the city's got to bite these days, boy. People ain't happy, man. Yeah, it's funny because you know what? Like, normally... Going into big NFL weekends, we always do who's going to win and why, and it just crossed my mind that at some point we have to – the, the freaking conference title games are this weekend, and we haven't even mentioned them. <laughs> Dude. Dude, you're right. And it's you're, you're right. I know. And it's because we're so distraught and so wrapped up in the Cowboys and all the crap happening with the Cowboys that I just am kind of like, okay, cool, conference title games this weekend, neat. Teams that are going to the Super Bowl, awesome Kansas City for the third year in a row. And, well, here come the Rams or here come the 49ers that we've seen and each have already made it in, in the last four years. So, I don't know. But it is weird. I mean, we haven't even discussed that. Even in our, our text back and forth, we didn't even bring that up. Dude, that's kind of pathetic. It is kind of pathetic. What would Kat say? <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> no but it's funny because we can just transition into that a little bit here because but I think these are going to be fun games it's so hard to not feel like Kansas City is the best team and they've been on fire ever since Pat Mahomes got right and they have so many weapons but Cincinnati and Joe Burrow 
are, are they just that team that's going to announce like, hey, here we are, and you're going to have to mess with us? Like we, they have the window the Cowboys wasted. Cincinnati is just opening. Yeah, yeah. This is the this is the Zeke and Dak window that Cincinnati's opening. Yes. And they've got those guys. They've got Joe Burrow. They've got Jamar Chase. And then they've got T. Higgins and a couple of these other pieces that they've got, like Joe Mixon. I mean, Cincinnati can do the damn thing. Hey, bro, I'm going to say this. I expect Kansas City to win. Here's the deal, though. I'm just going to say this. I expect Kansas City to win. I really do because I think think they have the experience of being in a championship game three years in a row, or I guess it's four now. The defense has been playing significantly better since the middle of the season. They can rush the passer. Your boy got sacked nine times last week. But here's here's what Cincinnati has, bro. They got that quarterback filled with swag, and they don't know that they're supposed to lose. Thank the 92 Cowboys. They don't know that San Francisco is supposed to kick their ass because it's not their time. And if they can get off to a good start and not get buried early and let it settle into a football game, they got talent, man. And them cats won national championships. I'm talking about Chase and Burrow. So they've been in big games. They understand the moment. Playoffs in the NFL are different. But, you know, I'd love to see Cincinnati winning because I'm a Joe Burrow guy, man. I love the fact that, that he went. He took a bad situation where he played good. He just didn't win the starting job at Ohio State. He said, bump that. I'm not going to sit. I'm leaving. He went to LSU, struggled for a year, won the national championship. And and he's I mean, that dude is good. Yes, he is. He and I'm telling you, I do think and maybe it's this year, but they've announced to the AFC, you guys, especially with Ben retiring in Pittsburgh and who knows with Lamar and Baker Mayfield's not the answer for Cleveland. I mean, they have thrown down the gauntlet, I think, in the AFC saying, hey, it's not just Buffalo and Josh Allen and Kansas City and Pat Mahomes. Y'all are going to have to mess with us, too. Like, we're a part of this. And I wouldn't be surprised if Cincinnati beat Kansas City. I don't think that they will. I think Kansas City is going to go on and win the Super Bowl again. But I think it's going to be a fun one. And Joe Burrow is not going to go down without a fight. This isn't going to be roll over and die Kansas City whipping up on somebody. No, I don't think so. Not unless unless they just – they can't handle it early. And, you know, you just get kind of just – it's like a tsunami – early in the game while you're getting adjusted to the speed of the game and all that thing. Yeah. And before you know it, you're down 17, nothing before it settles in something like that. But if they can lay, if they can get to the point where it settles into a ball game, then I got to tell you, um, I'm, I'm all in on the, on the Bengals, man. Cause I, I'm a Joe Burrow guy. Yeah, I am too. And, and I think it's great. I'm, I would love to see Cincinnati win the Super Bowl. And I say that just because of the same thing that that guy said to me and, and, the fact that this is a fan base that has not had to, they've never experienced that. The Cincinnati Bengals have never won a Super Bowl. They have no idea what it feels like. And I think it would be awesome for that fan base to experience that. And so that tends to be, if I don't really care who wins, I tend to go for that team. So I think it'd be cool to see Cincinnati win. The flip side of this is the Rams and the 49ers in the NFC. And I, I do think the Rams are going to win this game, but San Francisco is so capable of getting into their heads and getting under their skin. We have seen that. They've won six in a row against the Rams. But, man, I I just wonder if Matt Stafford is going to finally get an opportunity to get to a Super Bowl. And I know because of the way San Francisco plays, they can hide their quarterback. But it's hard to not think that Stafford versus Garoppolo, Stafford's the much better quarterback in this thing. 
Okay, check this out, man. Stafford's a much better quarterback. We Nobody's disputing that because he is. And the Rams, to me, have a better team. The problem is San Francisco plays that style, man, that I ain't going to call it the, the Army-Navy style, but I am. Like, they can slow the game down. They can take you out of your comfort zone. And if they get ahead, they can make it hard for you to come back because they can shorten the game. Yeah. And the thing that we, we spend all our time talking about is – San Francisco's offense and Kyle Shanahan's play calling and how they mix it up and they don't ask Jimmy G to do a lot, just enough, and they, they dominate with the running game and they control. But it's their defense that's been kicking people's ass. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, Bosa's – I mean, we ain't even talking about Bosa. He's, he's had a sack in each of the playoff games. Uh, he had 15, 15, 15 during the season. Fred Warner's a terrific linebacker. Their front seven is a bunch of badasses. And uh, they can make life difficult for you. And here's the other thing, dog. They don't want six in the go against the six in the row against the Rams. They got supreme confidence. They don't give a damn about playing the Rams. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so they go in feeling good about themselves, like, like we supposed to win it. Like we can get to the Super Bowl. We beat these fools six in a row. Why we can't beat them again? I think it's gonna happen. I do think the Rams win this game. I think they end the streak. I think Stafford gets to the Super Bowl, and. I, I want it to be Rams Bengals. That's what I want to see because then I, I think it'd be cool whoever wins because I think it'd be cool for Stafford to get one. But I think it's going to be Rams Chiefs, and that'll be a fun one. I think it'll be a fun Super Bowl if it's Rams Chiefs. Oh, Rams Chiefs would be pick a number just like last time. Yeah. 51 45, uh, especially if Mahomes gets heated up. Um, Kansas City, San Francisco would be another great Super Bowl, I think, just like it was a couple years ago. Um, Cincinnati. And the Rams, that would be very interesting. A couple high-powered offenses, uh, you know. But uh, yeah, I think uh, I, I like uh, I like everything about this weekend. Cincinnati and San Francisco, eh? That's kind of a meh game, so I ain't I ain't really rooting for that game. Although then I would be all in on the uh, on the Bengals. Yeah, and how pissed would Cincinnati be because their fans have got to be okay? Really, we've been we've gone to our third Super Bowl in our entire history, and for the third time, we're playing San Francisco. Because when they played in 82 and 88, they played San Francisco. Yep. That's the only, you know, that's like people sitting in Dallas going, you know, we didn't have to deal with the Steelers. Yeah. We'd we'd have been one of the all-time greats. I mean, that's the last time Cincinnati was in the Super Bowl was that the Joe Montana in the huddle. Hey, is that John Candy over there? And then they all drove down, they drove down the field, John Taylor back of the end zone, 20 to 16 San, San Francisco back in 88. Before we move forth here in the conversation, let's tell you about a couple more of our sponsors, and and you guys know it. You know we love this, and if you haven't tried it yet, my only question is, I guess you don't eat. And and if you don't eat, then I don't know how you figured out how to do that, but Biltong. Have you gotten your bruised Biltong yet? You say, Biltong? What do you mean, Biltong? It's like beef jerky, but it isn't. It's a traditional South African air-dried meat. Biltong is better. It is more savory. It is more tasty. It is more tender. It is Biltong. You need to eat it. <laughs> hey, man. Again, I keep telling y'all, when have you ever heard a, dry, a dried meat talked about like savory? I know. Like succulent, like tender, like juicy. I mean, it's ridiculous, really, but it's all true. You ain't got to take our word for it. Check out Twitter. Check out my feed or Matt's feed at JJT underscore journalist, McMatt Radio. Check it out. And you'll see people talk about it all the time. About oh my god, you guys said it was good, and it really is. I know, hey man. We don't be bumping our gums. We tell the truth about it. I like the sliced bill tongue. It's fantastic. 
Uh, it's badass, man. It is. It's a great snack. It's Brews Biltong. You go to that website, brewsbiltong.com, B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G.com. Use the promo code JAM15 at checkout. You get 15% off your order. It is brewsbiltong.com. Also, of course, Deb and Mike, the husband and wife team that are the powers that be at Blue Star Motor Group. Have you visited the website yet? BlueStarMotorGroup.com. You swing by, you're like, oh my God, I got to have that. Or maybe you're looking to sell your vehicle. They will come to you. They will give you cash on site and take your vehicle from you. It really is that easy. And they make it that easy when you call Deb, 817-881-4066. Or you can shoot her a text, 817-881-4066. They want to work for you and help you get that deal. Dude. That's all they do. All they want to do is hook you up. And the thing I love about them is it's a win-win situation. That's what they strive for. Not everybody does, man. When the handshakes are done, I tell you this all the time. When the contracts are signed and you drive off and you see them in the rearview mirror, yeah. they're smiling and you too are smiling. And they are, the thing of it is, guys, is that they have such low overhead that they can most of the times offer you a better deal than a dealership. And I'll tell you straight up, if you've already started the process, you need to incorporate Blue Star Motor Group into it. You can call Deb and be like, hey, Deb, I'm actually doing this with uh, this dealership. And she may say, okay, you know what? That's a great deal. Or she may say, I'm glad you called because we can beat that for you. You need to include them in your car buying and selling process at Blue Star Motor Group. It's Deb, 817 817- 881-4066 or online at bluestarmotorgroup.com. So let's take this trip around the block. And again, you, you it's interesting. What do you, you get the Dallas Morning News on your phone, but you it's not the website. It's like the actual, it looks like a newspaper. Yeah, it's, uh, it's basically a digital paper. I, I, I read it, the website edition, but I don't like it because it seems like you miss stuff. So I pay a little, a, a dollar or two more a month to get the actual paper in a digital form because I prefer that. Okay, yeah, because you send me these screenshots and it'll be, I'm like, I know that, I mean, that's like the digital newspaper. It's just, it's interesting because it looks cool. But one of the ones that you had pointed out, and this is interesting, is, and many people in DFW, especially in Dallas proper, will know what we're talking about here. But the city council voted on this and they are now going to mandate that all strip clubs and sex-based businesses must close between 2 a.m. and 6 a.m. that you can no longer have, because some of them apparently were staying open, depending on what it was, 24 hours. And they have now, and it was unanimous vote. The 15-member Dallas City Council now regulating the operating hours of those book, uh, of those businesses because some of them operated 24 hours. What's wrong with that, man? They just trying to make a couple dollars here and there. That's what I thought. I think this is interesting. And, and they say that they're not ever going, like they're not trying to shut anybody down, but there are 18 topless or fully nude strip clubs in Dallas. Most, and some of how them. How many can you name? Man, how many can I name? God, that's a really good question. Let's see. Baby Dolls, The Lodge, Silver City, The Clubhouse, or is it the men, oh, Men's Club, Spearmint Rhino. Ecstasy. I am so impressed. That's seven. I have no idea on the other ones. I think I could name the Gentleman's Club. Oh, PT's Gold Club. There's that one. 
three. And I think there's one called Onyx. Yeah, Onyx. Okay, yeah, because that's that's over there off 114 as well. Onyx. Yeah, because most of them <laughs> are over there right off of 114, kind of where all the Papa Brothers Steakhouses are, like in that stretch right there where I used to live over in Irving. Oh, if, yeah, yeah, if, yeah, you, yeah. if you're not in 114, Northwest Highway. If you drive down Northwest Highway and you just keep going from leaving Las Colinas, you drive by, I, I, I guarantee you drive by half of them. And don't even pay any attention. Yeah, and they're all right there. Well, not all of them, but the, the vast majority of them are right there in that area, which is why, because I used to drive by them all the time. I'll tell you a, a quick funny story. Is I was, you know, sometimes I try, I, I try to challenge myself. I don't do it all the time because sometimes I'm cowardly. But I was, <laughs> but I, and I think I told you about this in terms of I was going to some cross, I was doing CrossFit one summer yeah. about three years ago, and so I was doing CrossFit and I got to know a guy in there, and we're talking, and you know, what do you do? Oh, I'm a radio host, blah blah blah. What do you do? Oh, I run this, uh, I run a strip club out by the airport. They brought me in from Vegas. Oh, Rick's Cabaret. To, uh, yeah, they brought me in from Vegas to run it because we're just getting up and I'm, hey, bro, anytime you want to come by, just let me know. I got you. VIP, you is no problem. And my interest in strip clubs is so little that I never even thought about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, maybe 20 yeah. years ago, I'd have been like, my man, you are my dog. Let me buy you a little bottle and you'll be, I'll be up there every day. Dude, I never even thought about going. Yeah, it's interesting. It, it's I I don't remember the last time that I went to one, to be honest with you. It's been a long time. Like, like I'm kind of like you. Like, I don't like any more. I don't know what it is. Maybe just being older, like, the appeal of it is not what it once was. Yeah, and I certainly ain't going in the, in the COVID era. No, no. And, and like, some of, like, the fully nude ones, I've never understood that. I, I, I just don't get that at all. <laughs> I'm, I just don't. I, I, I don't know what it is. But apparently, of the 18 strip clubs... Some of them do close after 2 a.m. and some will stay open all night and close like at 5 or 6 a.m. But this also includes like these the bookstores and the novelty shops and the adult okay. video stores and all that as well. Man, they got to shut down too. Who are they bothering, man? You just going in there to get you? Uh, I don't know. But apparently this person who works, who is a stripper at a at Tiger. Apparently there's Tiger Cabaret in Far East Dallas. They they open at 8 p.m. and they close at 5 a.m. And so they say that uh, most of the businesses that a lot of it comes after 2 a.m. But the problem is, is that the Dallas police have requested that this happens because they say crimes and emergency calls occurring after 2 a.m. at strip clubs tie up police and fire resources to hamper the city's goal of reducing violent offenses, which might mainly take place at that time of night. Do you believe that? I don't know, man. I don't know. Like, I don't, I, and I, the reason I ask that is, is it that much crime going on at the strip clubs or in their parking lots? Violent crime. Like, that doesn't seem to me like DWI or driving under influence. I get that. Oh, yeah. But it don't seem to me like there's violent crime coming out of okay. strip club parking lot. You know, unless you're clubbing somebody with your woody because it won't go down because you popped a violent <laughs> God. So how about this? So they do have the stats. Stats show that officers made about 2,100 arrests, either at or near, sexually oriented businesses from 2019, 2020, and 2021. So that's about 700 a year, roughly. About a third of those occurred between 2 a.m. and 6 a.m. Well, mama did say nothing good happens after midnight. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's... Out in the streets. I've never liked being out that late in big cities because generally speaking, if you are out that late and you are in a big city, you are trouble will find you. 
Uh, yeah, you know, and I think that's the thing. Like, what is what is the definition of being out that late? Is is one o'clock? Like, I should probably be wearing. No, I, I think like two a.m. You know, like 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 that time period, two a.m. to six a.m. You know, because again, bars close at two a.m. At least in Texas, right. and so right. you are running the risk if you're out at that point. You're around people that have probably been drinking. So we all know what happens when that happens, the, the, just the roads and the way people drive. And, and it's just, I, I don't know. Like, I've always been nervous being out that late. I get, I get that. See, I, I think that makes sense. My, when I used to hang out just a little bit, it was always like, if everything's closing at 2, let me bounce about 12.45, one of the latest, and see if I can beat everybody who's really leaving at 1.30 or 2. Yeah, that, that's basically what I'm kind of like now. You know, it's interesting in Birmingham where I live. Now, I'm not going to sit here and act like no place stays open until 2 a.m., but it is very few and far between. Most of the bars and stuff around here closes at midnight. Well, bro, you know, I spent a lot of time in Jackson yeah. uh, doing my stuff for the JJT Media Group with, uh, with Dion and Jackson State. And, uh, you know, you try going out with coaches after, after the end of the day, bro, and Jackson shuts down at like 11 o'clock. <laughs> Wow, man, it's it's weird because it's weird. There are times where we want to go somewhere else, and there's a couple of places in downtown Birmingham that stay up until 5 a.m. But again, I don't want to go to those places. <laughs> yeah, Like, I want to go to, like, a regular bar. There's a bar by our house. It's literally one mile from the entrance of our neighborhood, and they close at midnight. And it's, it, it's just so odd where we're like, well, let's, you know, let's go get a, a drink on the way home or something, and it'll be, well, it's 1140. I guess we'll just go home. <laughs> and in Dallas, you'd be like, oh, what bar do you want to pick from? There's a million of them because everything stays open until yeah. two or three where you can drink. Show. It's just a difference in, in a city of that nature. So the other thing that you sent, and I don't know that this is a surprise to anybody, but the numbers are staggering. Dallas construction in the DFW area is up 45% from where it was a year ago. Developers started over, over almost $11 billion in Dallas-Fort Worth commercial and apartment building projects last year in the year of 2021. We are second in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, second to only New York City for new commercial building and apartment starts in the year of 2021. How wild is that? New York City, you know, the number one market in the country that's like three times the population of DFW. That's insane. It says at the end of 2021, Dallas-Fort Worth is the country's top number one industrial building market with more than 50 million square feet of projects under construction. Well, I don't think they're lying. Seems like I see them every time I, I, I walk out the house. Yeah, man, they're everywhere. I mean, they're all over the place. And, and you know, part of that is... So many different, we've talked about this before, the, the national headquarters that are moving here, and they've really, especially in the downtown Dallas area, I mean, they've just started building up. And so they're, they're buying like these old restaurants or what used to be a field, and they're just building a, a something up so much so that in the fourth quarter, think about this, just the fourth quarter of 2021, more than 40,000 apartments were being built in the DFW area, the most of any United States metro area. And that's just in wow. one quarter. Dude, that's a lot. Bro. That's people are moving, man. People, we talked about it in the last podcast. Why is everybody moving to Dallas? But they are, and there's a lot of reasons why. It's uh, you know, it's the uh, it's it's the climate. 
It's the cost of living. It's the golf courses. Mm-hmm. It's the strip clubs. It's all of that, bro. It is all of that. And it is, I mean, that is just absolutely mind-boggling numbers for the growth and the development of what's happening in Dallas. The other thing that I have for you, and this is just really random, but I saw this and I was like, what? Why? So apparently, I, I'm sure most people are familiar with the character Minnie Mouse. That is Mickey Mouse's girlfriend, I guess, or whatever. Significant other. Yeah, significant other. Well, they apparently have redesigned Minnie Mouse. She is trading in, and most of you can picture her in your mind. It's a female-looking mouse that wears a red polka dot dress. (laughs) Right, right. Well, they have changed her. She is now wearing a blue with dark blue polka dot pantsuit. Oh, all right. I'm not kidding. They... they, there people up in an uproar? I don't know. I don't know. But it, it's she is wearing it. It is an iconic silhouette from British fashion designer Stella McCartney. And they say that her full makeover will be unveiled in March to commemorate two dates. One for International Women's Day and the other one, the 30th anniversary of Disneyland Paris. I don't know if I'm digging this outfit. Yeah, it's kind uh, of interesting. And I don't know that it's a little dark for me. I don't know if she if this is just going to be what she's wearing exclusively or just for special moments, but yeah, I mean, she's rocking it, man. She's she's going pantsuit and getting rid of the dress. <laughs> I ain't mad at it. She's been wearing the same outfit for 50 years. Yeah, I know, man. She probably needs to go to the cleaners. You know, I used to think that was weird when I was a kid that they were all, like cartoons were always the same age. I was like, why does Mickey Mouse never get older? Let's see. He's just like a mortal, I guess. Go figure, bro. I know, but obviously you get older and you're like, why would they age? Of course not. It's a marketing ploy and a pretty damn good one, by the way. Hell yeah. Man, I haven't been to Disney World since I was 12 years old. Uh, Let me see. I've been uh, twice. Once the Cowboys... uh, were playing down there, I think, and so I was there. And then uh, me and my buddy Calvin Watkins, who covers the uh, Cowboys for the Dallas Morning News, we decided to take his two sons and my son uh, to Disney World as a male bonding trip. Nice. Yeah, my my now, brother went like last year when it was all shut down during the pandemic, and he said it was badass. Uh, we had a great time, man. We stayed probably five days. And it, now, Calvin Watkins, again, he's got two sons. He's got one like, I can't remember how old they were then, probably sixth grade. So Calvin's oldest son is one year older than my son, and his younger son is one year younger. So it's a perfect fit. We've got to get to Clarence Hill Jr. here, but before we have our conversation with him, we have to ask, have you done it yet? Have you made the call to see if that crack you saw on your ceiling or on your wall or if the sloped floor you decided, you're like, wait a second, I just walked over here, and you're way above me now. That may be a problem. You may have a foundation problem. Have you made the call to HFX Foundation Solutions, a full-service foundation repair company? They service all of DFW. Aaron and his guys, they will come out as a free, no-obligation inspection, and those 45 minutes could change everything for you, including saving you thousands of dollars. I think you, I mean, we call it a colonoscopy for a house for a reason, man. You go in there, you get it checked out, you feel good about everything. And if they do find something by chance, I mean, probably you find it in the early stages and it'll cost you a fraction of what it costs if you find it in the late stages. It can do nothing bad for you. It can only be good. It doesn't cost anything to get it done. 
have them check your house out and get that peace of mind, man. That's that, what I always say. Yep. Peace of mind. Yes. If you are seeing any of those signs, the sticking doors, the sloped floors, all that type of stuff, soil washout, I'd call them immediately. The earlier they catch it, the way better off you're going to be. 817-770-0174. It's 817-770-0174. HFXfoundation.com. It's HFX Foundation Solutions. Also, of course, as you know, and we've been telling you about these guys for a long time, and it's one of those things that Jacques is very, very familiar with, and I believe even sent his kid there today, Freeway Tire Shop, man, and it's in the name, it, it tires. If you need tires, if you need mechanical work, you've got to get over to see JR and his guys at Freeway Tire Shop. And I'll tell you a true story, man. My dude had a flat tire today, sent me a text, and uh, I did this all over the phone with him. I said, he said uh, he lives... He was about a mile from Costco, so he went to Costco, checked it out. They offered him a tire, one tire for $275. And I said, yo, okay, at least I know how much it costs. So I, I said, get the specs. I sent the specs to JR. JR said, uh, let me see what I got for you. And I, I, I'm telling you right now, it was $100 less and some change. And uh, my dude headed over there. The tire's already been changed, and he's already back home. And JR hit me back in about uh, five minutes after I texted him. Um, so all I'm telling y'all is they got great prices. They'll hook you up. This wasn't some special Jacques Taylor deal. This is, this is the way they roll. And, uh, JR and freeway tire. They're the best. It's easy to get taken care of by his crew, man. They are going to knock you out with their customer service. You can trust them. They're fantastic. It's freeway tire shop. Request your quote, schedule your appointment online at freewaytireshop.com. It is time he joins us, of course, as always, brought to you by Soda Weight Loss. You read his work and you have for years in the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. Longtime Cowboys beat writer Clarence Hill Jr. joining us. And, Chill, we were just joking about it, but Sean Payton a couple of days ago announces he's not going back to the New Orleans Saints. He's stepping down. And, of course, immediately the assumption is, oh, well, there's the Cowboys head coach in 2023, what do you make of Sean Payton being out there and available for the Cowboys, perhaps? You know, it's funny that you said 2023 when I've been here in 2022. Oh, oh. Everybody, no, what I'm saying is from the reaction, everybody right, wants right. it to happen now. You know, we common people with common sense and understanding how these things work and have listened to everything Sean Payton has said, know they won't happen in 2023. But there are a number of people, number, number of pundits, number of columnists who said, do it now, fire Mike McCarthy, go get Sean now. And that's what you've heard, you know, for much of the last week. Do it now. Why wait? You know, clearly you have to wait because Sean doesn't want to coach right now. Uh, clearly, they, they, you know, there are draft pick conversations, a lot of, you know, hoops that must jump through for it to happen right now. But chief among them is Sean does not want to coach right now. And it's funny because Sean did admit on the Dan Petrick podcast today uh, that a couple of teams have made backdoor uh, channel talk to him or to gauge his interest, and he said the Cowboys weren't one of them. That's because so, they knew he'd taken the year off. They knew he'd taken the year <laughs> off, and, and, as, and as much as Jerry, you know, won't endorse Mike McCarthy, you know, clearly McCarthy's coming back, and especially with his defensive coordinator back, his offensive coordinator back, you know, but he's letting him twist in the wind on purpose. Well, that leads to this, bro. Uh, seems to me McCarthy is hosed either way, unless they make a deep run next year because he's going to hear about Dan Quinn in line to take his job, or he's going to hear about Sean Payton in line to take his job. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's a horrible situation. It's, to me, it's, 
you know, for people who have a heart, and I don't know if anybody in, in Cowboy Land has a heart right now because people are still mad and upset and frustrated and everything else, but it's made uh, McCarthy a sympathetic figure. How do you go 12-5, and five, your first full season as head coach? I mean, because he didn't have his quarterback with him as a rookie of his first year in, in 2020. Dak missed 11 games, and we all know that as bad as NFC East was, they probably would have made the playoffs if Dak was quarterback. I, you know, you can say what you want about COVID and all the other injuries and, and what was happening before Dak got injured, but he probably would have rallied and won in the East. But you get your first full year with your quarterback to go 12 and 5. Yes, you have a no show in the playoffs, but goodness gracious, should he be gone? Is it zero tolerance? Should he be gone after one year? Yeah. That's what people want. That's what people are calling for. It's just, to me, it's kind of made it, you know, him a sympathetic figure, but no one cares. And then clearly, they, 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 he, he's certainly not someone the public is, 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 is feeling right now. And, and yeah, next year, you have that shadow, Deshaun Payton shadow, hanging over his head all season long. Well, I'm just asking, man. Do you think the Dan Quinn shadow is hanging over his head as well? Well, I mean, I think that's what we, we would like to say. And, and, and certainly, I think that part of the Cowboys' success to failure next year, you know, that'll be some of Dan Quinn's work. You know, it, it, it's, you know, the Cowboys will be hard-pressed to lead the league with 34 turnovers next year. You know, a lot of things that went right this year. You know, they got to make decisions on safety, defensive end. We will see if, if – and if Michael can, you know, duplicate his rookie year. And, and I don't know if if uh, a primetime Diggs is going to get 11 interceptions next year. This was – you know, things happened right for the Cowboys this year. I mean, no one's had 11 interceptions in 40 years. You don't think he's going to have back-to-back seasons. So a lot, a lot has to happen right, and and I, I think that yes, you know, Dad Quinn was a button that everybody liked and wanted to push until Sean became available. If Sean's available, Sean is 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 the apple of Jerry's eye and everyone's eye to get the job. Is there a barometer for Mike McCarthy? I mean, is, is this you have to be able to take us in 2022 to where we haven't been in 26, 27 years? for him to be back, or especially, as you said, with Sean Payton being out there, what does McCarthy have to do to ensure his Cowboys' future? Well, and, and that's, that's it. We don't know because, you know what, we have not heard from Jerry. Yeah. You know, we, we do not know, and that's the thing about it is, is Jerry put this out there last week. He refused, I mean, purposely refused to endorse his coach for even next season. You know, and now he, he, he's gone dark. You know, and, 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 and we don't know what the standard is. We know the standard has been to get to the Super Bowl, but, you know, you think if a guy wins you a, a, a playoff game and gets you to the championship game and he fails, you're going to fire him then? And I, I don't know what that standard is. And, again, I as we've all said, you know, I think they'll be hard-pressed to be as good as they were uh, mm. in 2022, they were in 2021, just from a record standpoint. It's because the schedule is tougher. And you have decisions to make on a 21 free agents. And again, we're asking guys who had career years to repeat that. It, it, it's going to be a tougher road to hoe. Uh, again, I think that, that uh, McCarthy is in a no-win situation going into 2022. Yeah, just have a uh, – it's, it's going to be a tough year because I'm like you, man. I have a hard time seeing how they're going to be better. Now, maybe some, some other guys will step up. Like, nobody expected Trayvon Diggs to have the year he had or Michael Parsons the year he had. So – Maybe some some other guys will uh, will will put in seasons that are career years, but uh, it seems like again we're at a crossroads with the franchise, and uh, it starts with the quarterback too. Oh yeah, you know again, let's let's not give anybody any passes. Uh, the quarterback has to play better; it has to be better. But let's also not act like 
the quarterback has not played well in the playoffs before. No one played well this year, but he played very well as a rookie. He played well in 2018 when he when he when he outdoed uh, Russell Wilson in AT and T Stadium, uh, and, and and so he's played. Well, he he has shown the ability to show up in big games uh, in the past in the playoffs. They didn't do it this year as a team, and they have had struggles over the past few years of, of beating teams with winning record. But yeah, it's still on the quarterback. He has to play best. And again, a lot of the talk about Sean Payton, if they don't succeed next year, was that maybe Sean Payton, the, the true quarterback whisperer, who got the most, you know, out of Drew Brees, he get the most out of Dak Prescott. Were you surprised that Dan Quinn decided to come back and do another year with Dallas? I think that, you know, from what I understand, that he wanted to, um, he wanted the Denver job. He, he didn't get the Denver job. And um, so uh, he's not going to take any job. He, he said many times last year, you know, that he wasn't, you know, he was happy where he was. He liked to be where his feet were, were at. And he, he enjoyed, uh, you know, what he was doing here. He, he certainly got his joy of coaching again with the Cowboys, but he wasn't going to take any job. He wanted to take a job with a bad roster. He was going to be selective about the job he took. And, and once he didn't get the job he wanted, you know, he's like, I'll come back here. I'll be another you know, top coach coaching hire next year. Uh, so that there's no reason to take a bad job. And he's been there. He's done that before. He's been a head coach before. Unlike some of these first-time coaches who have to take a job because, you know, you don't know when you'll get the opportunity again. He's done this before, so he can be selective. He can be particular, and that's what he's doing. Well, I think it's the smart move, man, because if they make a deep playoff run, he's going to be a, uh, a name guy, you know, next year. And if they don't, as long as his defense don't crater, he'll have a shot to get the Dallas job. Yeah, all of that. So yeah, he 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 understands that he he can read the tea leaves and that that that, that there's there's something better out there for him than maybe taking a Bears roster that doesn't look as good on paper as some people think or somebody. I mean, he was requested by six teams. The interview with five, he he, he turned down the interview with Jacksonville, uh, but he decided to come back to Dallas, and that's that's the win for the Cowboys. To me, that's already the biggest. Moving off season for the Cowboys, they they were able to keep Dan Quinn because he losing him would have been a, been a huge setback. Yeah, because as you pointed out, I mean they're going to have and obviously they're going to have a lot of roster turnover. You do every year, but with the twenty one free agents and a lot of those guys that that came to Dallas last year that did the one year deals because they liked Dan Quinn, wanted to be with Dan Quinn. Right now, you kind of wonder if they'll be able to retain some of those guys since he's coming back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly looks like a J. Ron Curse. I'm like. If, Jer- if Dan Quinn leaves, you don't think it's Jaron Curse. I'm going with Dan Quinn. He got the best. I-, I I did nothing for the first four or five years of my career. And I had a career year as Dan Quinn. I'm going with him. You know, some other those guys, you know, you, you would think would, would think the same way. I'm going to go, you know, maximize my opportunity with Quinn because he knows how to use me. And you get to get him and he, he comes back. And I think that's, you know, as far as the players, even Mike McCarthy, I think one thing that, that maybe solidified Mike McCarthy's position with Jerry Jones is the fact that his coordinators are returning. One thing that, that Jerry was up in the air about last week because he didn't know if he'd have to move forward with Mike McCarthy without both of his coordinators who were interviewing for other jobs, especially Quinn. You know, he there was most people are shocked that Quinn is back. You know, most people thought Quinn would definitely get the job. He was considered the front runner for the Denver job ever since it opened. And the fact that they went somewhere else, don't no one really saw this coming. I don't think Jerry uh, saw a world in which both of his coordinators are coming back. So I think this. This helped ease uh, things in the minds of Jones as far as Mike McCarthy as well. So this was huge. 
I'm curious, and I don't know if anybody knows the real answer, but how close do you think he came to really making a change? Or do you think he just thought about it, got mad, said, ah, whatever? I, I don't know if he came close. I, I don't know if, you know, again, you know, it's, it's unfortunate because we don't really get to talk and ask him real questions. You know, we have to go on the radio and just talking to people. You know, my point from last week and everything, if, if not McCarthy, then who? You know, that, that's, that's been the case. If he wanted to go to Quinn, he could have gone to Quinn easily. You know, while Quinn was looking at other jobs, he could have made that move. And clearly that wasn't, you know, at the top of his list, so he could have done that. You know, if you want to, I don't want Quinn, you know, to look at other jobs. I'm going to go and do this. So I can, you know, go get Quinn. But he didn't do that. So my only issue was you mad, but what can you do about it? What you going to do about it? And there was really no certain answer. And, you know, then the Sean Payton thing comes up and, you know, probably most people in the industry understood that Sean was wavering on whether coming back to the Saints. I'm sure it got word to Jerry Jones. Maybe that was part of, you know, his indecision last week, you know, trying to find out, you know, what was on Sean Payton's mind. But now we know that Sean wants to, to, to walk away and, and, and recharge and, 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 and wait at least a year before coming back. If he comes back then, uh, he wants to try to pursue TV. I think now it, it should be clear in the minds of the Cowboys, Jerry Jones, and Matt McCarthy is the one that's going to be the coach next year. Uh, but, yeah, I don't think he got to the point where he was going to make the move. It was just something that he was just upset and unsettled in his mind of, of what can they do. They did everything. You know, in his mind, we did everything in 2021 to finally get this monkey off our back, get past one and done, and, and make a deep run. The, the, the playoff race was as wide open as it's been in some time, as we certainly see uh, – in the uh, results of the championship game with the top three seeds all out, you know, all of them lost at home. You know, it was wide open to come. If the Cowboys were going to break through, this was their year to break through. And they had home field advantage. They had uh, a healthy team, healthier than most teams. A lot of these teams, Tampa didn't have their left tackle. A lot of teams didn't have their best players. Cowboys had all of their best players ready to go for the playoff game. And they laid an egg. And that's still tough to stomach for Jerry Jones and tough to stomach for a lot of Cowboys fans. It is, man. And, and my question, we were talking about this the other day, Jacques and I were about, you know, Jerry sells hope, but he, you're bringing back the same head coach, you're bringing back the same staff, same coordinators. What, what's the hope? What, what are we selling? Because of all the things you just described, Chill, I mean, if it was going to happen, this was the year it was lined up. What are we supposed to believe in moving forward for the next season? Well, I mean, you, you have to believe in, in consistency and continuity. And, and, and one thing that Mike McCarthy was trying to sell was that championship teams that get to the playoffs multiple years. You know, what the Cowboys haven't done is do it back-to-back years. And they get a comfort level of being in the playoffs and winning those games. So the hope is that, you know, you got Mike McCarthy in his second full year with Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott having a a full offseason with Mike McCarthy in his system for the first time. Remember, his first year he was in the contract holdout. You know, he didn't show up to a training camp. So last year he was rehabbing. You know, and, and so they didn't have a full offseason with Dak then. And then you add in the defense. And, and the best thing about my, uh, Dan Quinn coming back is, is, is the continued growth of Michael Parsons, you know, and, and, and the continued development of Michael Parsons, who had one of the greatest rookie years in NFL history as a linebacker. And, and, and again, we, we talked about, uh, also talked about Diggs and, and their continued growth and, and development of those guys. And, and, and again, Randy Gregory, uh, 
there's a lot to grow from. And then you, you have the draft and, and what pieces can he add to, to, to get into the mix. So those are things you feel good about. Again, the, the tough thing is, is the schedule will be tough. You have the decisions and you have some decisions to make on free agents. But, but if you feel good about the coaching staff, if they were this good in year one, you think they have a chance to be better and grow some more in year two with those guys. Yeah, bro, it's uh, <laughs> it's gonna be an interesting, uh, it's gonna be an interesting year, interesting off season. Let me see. Have you been surprised at the amount of, uh, I guess, criticism Dak is getting, or is this uh, about what you expected? I mean, I, I, I think that the, I'm not surprised because I, I think there were some people that were lukewarm about Dak anyway. Even Cowboys fans have been lukewarm about Dak. I mean, I mean, the how he got the job, the the, the the Romo fans who never really bought in uh, the $40 million contract, you know, it, that was all part of it. And so uh, I, I'm not surprised at all. Uh, that shouldn't be surprised. No one should be surprised because, you know, the, you, you when you make that kind of money, the target's on your back. You know, just, just like, you know, Jerry Jones, you know, going after Amari Cooper, even though I, I would say that, Amari Cooper's targets are not the fault of Amari Cooper. It's the fault of, you know, the quarterback, the coaching staff, the game plan, and all that stuff more so than, than Amari Cooper. But when you you pay somebody that type of money, you, you're looking for a certain type of result. And the same thing especially goes from the quarterback position, especially when you look at the quarterback play across the league and, and, and certainly some of the next-level quarterback play that we've seen in the playoffs with the young quarterbacks in the AFC uh, with, with, with Mahomes and Allen and, and and those guys, and, and so there's a level you have to get to and, and, and some expectation there. So um, Dak didn't play his best game. Let's be honest about it. Dak did not play his best game. And a lot of people around him didn't play their best game, but those guys aren't making $40 million a year and, and certainly $75 million in year one in 2021. Yeah, that's true. And, and, and to your point with Amari Cooper bringing that up, what Jerry had to say, about getting over open the middle and having the production, you're getting paid $20 million. Do you think that's an illusion, or I should say an alluding comment to the point that they may be moving on from Amari Cooper this offseason? Well, I mean, there are a lot of people within organizations that think that they may be tired of Cooper. They, they, that, that is an option for them. Uh, certainly they weren't happy that he was not vexed. They weren't happy with, with his attitude of not being vexed and going to the game, the Mavericks game unmasked. Uh, but you tell me this, how is this offense better without Cooper? You know, if, if anything, when, you know, when people think we're thinking about moving on with Cooper after two years, there was an assumption that Michael Gallup would have this great year and take off. You know, and then you can say, right, we got CD Lab number one, we got Michael Gallup. You know, you can get some of that money to Michael Gallup, but Michael Gallup you know, has a torn ACL. And he's going to be coming off that. You know, there's no, you know, obviously, you, you know, torn ACLs, you can come back from that, but you don't know. Uh, he didn't have the, the great season that the Cowboys had hoped he would have, and he may not be ready to a training camp at the start of the season. You know, going to the offseason, do you think this team is better without a Mario Cooper? I don't. Okay, so that leads to the big question. If you can only keep one, you keeping Tank or you keeping Cooper? <laughs> That's what I do, dog. <laughs> I, I, I don't know that you can only keep one, and, and, and I certainly think that uh, – from a, from a tank standpoint, uh, I don't know where he's getting $20 million at on the street. You know, he hasn't had a full season, a full healthy season since he signed his contract. Yeah. You know, I, I think that certainly you try to 
start tanking and taking a pay cut or somewhere along the line. Let him, you know, or let him uh, go through free agency and, and try to bring him back because, you know, he's not getting that money on the street. And then do you want to go to a new situation? Do you want to stay here? You know, and, and, and we can find a number that, that we can meet. We, we can let you shop your number and see what you get. Uh, he's not getting that out there. I think certainly Cooper has a better chance of recouping his money than Tank on, as a free agent. I think that's a that's a that's a tricky deal if you if you say hey if you cut him and say go go find the number because it'll be that situation where I'll go take less to play for somebody else I ain't gonna take less. To or play no, for you. but you give him a chance to take a pay cut. That's only if you don't want to take a pay cut. I mean, you know, right. you give him a chance. Hey, we can do it the easy way or the hard way. <laughs> you know? Oh, the easy way or the hard way. <laughs> that ain't never worked out well. You can keep on breaking them grades home, or we can do this the easy way or the hard way. <laughs> I'm just saying that. You know, we can have a discussion and talk about this. Let's come up with a number together, or you can go find a number. Oh, you know, uh, and this is interesting. Now, you could say, now the tricky part would be what number would he find agreeable? Like, you're not going to cut me from 20 to 10, but could you cut me from 20 to 15 or 14? And if I get, you know, the numbers worthy of the 20 million, I can make it back? I think you could do something like that. You know, you get 10 sacks, you get... Oh yeah, you, 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 you try to put something back in there, but I'm gonna ask you something. You know, since you do you think he's gonna get 15 million as a free agent after after three straight years of six and less, six sacks or less? Bruh, I'm gonna tell you like they always said, like Grandma used to tell me, <laughs> it don't take but one now. <laughs> I understand that, but <laughs> it don't, you think it one's don't gonna take, give him? 15, that's true. You think one's it gonna give him 15 million after three straight years of six sacks or less? Hey man, don't take but one without a condom for you to show up with that baby. Oh, there it is. But just one. That pull out. That pull out. No work. Matt, those are, those are nice words, but he has not answered the question. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I hate, I hate a man get on my podcast using my words, my my phrases <laughs> against me. Those are nice words, but he has yet to answer the question. That's all I know. He played good so, this year. He just didn't. He just wasn't available. But he played good when he was available. But it's not been available the last three years. I mean, it's been the same story. I don't know. That's a good question. It's a good question. I think I bet he could. Okay, what do you what do you you give Randy Gregory? Now that's a tricky question. Who had who had who had at midseason we thought this dude was gonna blow up. He gonna you know he's gonna have double sacks. He ended up with only six sacks. Yeah, but he was he was everywhere. Now he's a playmaker. I don't know. That's a that's a hard question. Glad they don't pay me to do that. That's Will McClave. <laughs> that's, that's Jerry Jones. That's Stephen Jones. Yeah. I I try to give him a good number, but not a great number because he got so much liability. Well, it, it's all of that, and so you have to consider all of the liability. Uh, you know, and 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 you know, understanding. I think that he would want to stay here because of the stability and because of what the you know what the Cowboys are done for him. But but you know, don't don't plan for TV though. You know, because you only have you know one life to live and one only one opportunity to, to maximize your earning potential. You know, because we know it can all go quickly. Yeah, especially for him. It's a it's a it's a lot of questions that have to be answered. Yes, Whew. there but are a lot. I think the off season is. Uh, and I check this out. Let me see what you think. I think the off season is off to a good start. You got Will McClay locked in. You have, uh, I believe, you have both your coordinators locked in. So there's no learning curve in the off season. It's all about getting better at what you do. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's part of it. We, we talked about the last year. Again, you were still learning Quinn's system, you know, for the first year. You know, now you're more comfortable in Quinn's system. And we talked about the comfortability with, with, with Dak and the offense. 
and, and been with McCarthy for a full year. All of that should bode well for the Cowboys. But again, as we all know, starting now, that nothing will happen until next January. No one's going to care about anything until next January because they got to show up in the playoffs. You know, they, they got to, you know, all, all this regular season, no matter what they do in the regular season, nobody's trusting them. Nobody's buying in. You know, all that, all that stuff is out the window. We're not trusting you. We're not believing nothing you say. We got a Super Bowl team. We got brotherhood. We're special. We got a special thing going on. <laughs> we already heard that. Don't give a fuck about that. Go win some playoff <laughs> games. <laughs> For real, None man. of that matters if you don't no, show that's what, that's what the fan base is saying. I think it's a, uh, dude, it's uh, it's going to be wild out there, man. No, wow. as it should be. You know, as it should be. But, but I do believe, it, you know, Mike McCarthy was on the one thing, is that consistency. You get back there multiple years, you get comfortable, you should do better. It should result in the better result. And so, okay, but here, you know, he talked about he talked about you know getting there and, and getting back and his you know six seven straight trips to the playoffs. That's what you want. That's what you want to start happening. Right? You want to be a regular in the playoffs. Yeah, man. Now you know. I also know that you know teams and rosters change, and you know I'm a big proponent of that. And everybody can't carry your baggage. But they ain't had back to back playoff seasons in forever. I think uh, what is it, ninety five, ninety six. No, 06-07, I'm sorry. I Bill mean, 06-07, and then, but they haven't had consecutive 10-win seasons since 95-96. Right. And ain't nobody won right. the NFC East in consecutive years in like 20 years. That's a whole lot to over to have to overcome from one team. But, hey, you know, it can't be done. Oh, hope, faith, and optimism. Amazing. Right. Ain't my job to believe in that. Amazing. Just got to get it done, bro. <laughs> All right. And that's that's – yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's why they get paid. That's their job. I mean, that's why it you're is. getting forty million dollars. That's why Will McClay got a big raise. That's why Mike McCarthy is in the big chair. That's your job. That's the task. You do the job with stuff he took it. Yeah, that's figure that is. shit out. Pretty much. Fix this shit, Rich. <laughs> I wish he could fix it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joe. We appreciate it, man. Thanks for doing this. All right, man. Thank you, guys. All right. All right. There he is, Clarence Hill Jr. of the Fort Worth Star Telegram. Always good to chat with him. All right, let's talk a little bit about the Mavs here because we haven't done that much this season. But now that the Cowboys season is fading away, you get a chance to turn your attentions to some other things. And one of those is the Dallas Mavericks. They're currently fifth in the Western Conference. They are 28 and 21. They are just two games back of fourth in the Utah Jazz. But also in the same breath, they are just a game ahead of Denver and two games or three games ahead of Minnesota there in the, as always, packed Western Conference. But this is a Mavs team that once they got out of their COVID crap, they really started to figure some things out. And it's kind of unfortunate because right as they started to figure some of those things out, Tim Hardaway broke a bone in his foot, and he's going to have to miss several weeks. They don't know exactly when he'll be able to return. But this is a Mavs team that has really been making some hay since really towards the end of December, over the course of the last month, you know, you go back to December 27th, they only have three losses since they lost on the 29th of December. And they've turned the corner and really have started to figure things out with what they want to do. And their defense is one of the best in the NBA. Say that again, bro. It's true. Their defense is one of the best. And the, they have a top five NBA defense, which is crazy. Dude, it's beyond crazy. We've never seen anything like this from the Mavericks. It was always they couldn't play defense, they couldn't do this, they couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. And all it all it goes to show, on the real, and it's not a knock on uh, Rick Carlisle, all it goes to show 
is that if you demand it and you emphasize it and you don't make it optional, you can get it. And clearly, Jason Kidd has demanded it, not made it optional, and he's getting it. Um, it's incredible because, I mean, the Mavericks have never been a defensive team. No. When they were good under Nash and Dirk, they were, you know, and playing the Kings every year, they were, they were an offensive team. Avery Johnson couldn't get them to play defense. Jason Kidd somehow, some way has done it, and it's because he demands it, he makes him accountable, and uh, there's consequences if you don't do it. <laughs> yeah, it's true, and, and, and this is a team that's gone 11-3 and three in the month of January, and it, it sucks because they got their ass kicked by Golden State, and I haven't seen the Mavs play a lot because I can only watch them when they're on national television, but I've seen a couple of games. It was the Phoenix game. I watched them play Phoenix, and that sucked because they had the lead, and then Phoenix just turned it on in the final five minutes, and the Mavs right. just let that one slip away from them. And then the other one in recent days was the one from a couple of days ago when they just got mauled by Golden State. I mean, they got absolutely – that was one where, like, by midway through the third quarter, I was like, I'm out. And Luka didn't even play in the fourth quarter. I mean, that's how bad it was. They lost by almost 40 points. But they bounced back the very next night, and this is something that's been interesting – is, okay, you get your ass kicked by Golden State. It's the second game of a back-to-back. You lost Tim Hardaway Jr. They went on the road against Portland and beat Portland by 20 points. And I know, I know, I get it. They didn't have Dame, and they, they were losing like three of their top players, but whatever. It's still a second night of a back-to-back for the Mavs, and, and they got a, a win they needed to pick up. They played, uh, they played a terrific game the other day. And you know, I've been trying to figure out how they're winning because, you know, uh, luca has been having a good year, but it, – I mean, we're talking about Lucas, so the, the, the standards is different. But he hasn't been outer-worldly. He's just been really good. Uh, KP has been really good when he's played. It's the usual thing. But I was looking up here, man, and Luka and KP have played the same amount of games, though. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like 33-34. Um, I think the key to the season thus far has been you-know-who. It's been Jalen Brunson. He's, been, he's become um, – the guy everybody thought he would be when they drafted him. And this is what happens when you when you draft and develop players, man. This is third year in, and now what's he doing? He's balling, and he's going to be good for a decade. And I'm, I'm just going to say this here. I think Mark Cuban's a good owner, all right? I really do. I mean, you can agree with some of the stuff he does. You can disagree. That's yeah. cool. I ain't trying to hear shit about you can't afford Finney Smith or Brunson because you got to pay the luxury tax. If you think they help you win – Pay the fucking luxury tax, all right? I've always I'm wondered not- that too. Like, like with these crazy multi-billion-dollar owners. I mean, honestly, like, okay, you got to pay the luxury tax. You're, you've got billions and billions of dollars. Uh, what What's twenty million or fifty million dollars to you, honestly? Well, nothing, man. It's uh, I mean, it's the same reason why Jerry Jones don't want to spend on coach. You're just being yeah. cheap. So if you got a guy who's a terrific point guard. A secondary ball handler from Luca, a guy Luca likes, a guy who can learn from Jason Kidd while he's in the prime of his career, right now, and who's a good dude by all accounts. You don't let that guy walk because you don't want to pay some luxury tax, man. Now it ain't my money, but he's got billions, billions with a B. Yeah, it's just money, man. It's just money. Now it ain't my money, but it's just money. So pay the pay the luxury tax. Keep those guys because they're pieces on the championship team. I don't know what piece, but they're pieces. I think Brunson's a bigger piece than Finney Smith, but Finney Smith's a really good player. He is, and and the reality of it is, is with Brunson being in the final year of his rookie contract in year four here, 
He's making $1.8 million this year. He will be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. And the reports that came out a week or so ago are that he is looking for a four-year deal worth $80 million. Okay. That's and going right in the NBA. That would, make, that would make him the 13th highest paid point guard in the NBA this season. And, of course, Fred Van Fleet, who got four years and $85 million in the 2020 offseason, so we'll see what, what what can happen. The most that the Mavs can offer right now is four years for $55 million. And so we'll see if they can adjust that and they got to work on the numbers. And that's, you know, again, how far into the luxury tax do you go and what do you do with Dorian and all that? But I think it's become obvious that, what, especially this year, that Jalen Brunson is a vital part of what the Mavs do. Dude, I mean, he's, I mean, if, he, if you're not going to be an all-star, then he's that next tier under that. But again, he's a point guard. We all know that you got to win with point guards yeah. and bigs, you know. But you need somebody who can direct your offense, who can run the ball, be a secondary ball handler. And dude, he's in year three, and what's he scoring? He's scoring sixteen points a game. Yeah, he can ball, dude. I mean, he, he and so, he's he's really good. And if you talk about just normal improvement, there's no reason why he can't get up to uh, nineteen, twenty points a game as he plays even more. And as he gets to the free throw line a little bit more, I mean, because he's already, I mean, the last 10 games, he's shooting 53%. He's shooting 50% for the season. So, dude, he's a really good player, man. Really good player. I'd take care of him. I would too. And they got to find a way to get that done. Dorian also in the final year of his contract. And that was such a steal of a deal. People forget he's on the, they did three years with him three years ago. He did three years, 12 million. He's playing for $4 million a season. Dorian Finney-Smith is. That's yeah. also why he's trying to get paid right yeah, now. Yeah, of like, course okay, he is. You, you got your discount. I'm trying to cash in now. Yeah, same with Jalen Brunson. Again, Jalen Brunson, because yeah. he was a second-round pick. I, I wonder if we're going to see some sort of a package where they trade one of these guys. It wouldn't surprise me. I'd trade Finney Smith before I traded uh, Brunson. Yeah, I would, too. I would, too. He's in his sixth year, and having probably what you would consider the best season of his career, it's a crazy easy contract for somebody to absorb if there's somebody out there and they want to put in a package or whatever to to move on from that if they don't think they're going to try and re-sign both those guys exactly i think i would um i, I don't think it's any, i don't think it's much to talk about I'd, I, I'd rather have them both but if you got to get rid of one it's got to be finney smith but the mavs mavs fun to watch as always and it's nice to see him play defense man and and the couple of times that I've seen him play, like I said, it's I'm just ignoring the Golden State game. But that Phoenix game was badass. Phoenix is dominant. Phoenix is 38-9. They are clearly the best team in the NBA. And it'll be interesting to see. You know, they probably would have made the NBA Finals and might have won a championship last year if Chris Paul hadn't gotten hurt. Right. Who so, won it last year? Milwaukee. Okay, that's good. The Greek freak. Right. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. You know, Milwaukee is leading the East. They're neck and neck with Chicago and Cleveland this year. But... It's interesting, man. I mean, you look at the West. I mean, L.A. is not a playoff team right now. The Lakers would be in the play-in thing. They're 24-24, and 24, the nine seed. And it's going to be – the West is just so crazy, just deep and packed together. You just want to stay out of that play-in tournament thing. So as long as you can stay out of that, it's all good. Uh, Lakers fooled themselves. Or maybe they didn't. They were just – it was – this was their Hail Mary. I mean, all those old dudes weren't going to yeah. be able to do anything, man. They were all past their prime except for LeBron, and AD is always hurt. So, Yeah, it, it, that's very true. I don't mind it. It sucks for them. So 
it's funny though because it, it, you look at it and like Chicago's really really good. I said I said Milwaukee's leading the East. I meant Miami. I apologize. Miami and Chicago are leading the East, and then Phoenix and then Golden State, who's bounced right back to what they were. Memphis is fun to watch. I mean, John Morant's the real deal. So there there's a lot of fun teams in the NBA to keep an eye on that are making their way. We'll see where the Mavs fit in. It is time, as we do every week here during the football season, with just two weeks remaining in the main season of the NFL before offseason comes around. We check in with our ESPN NFL insider, brought to you by Medea from Scratch. Of course, you can enjoy one of their three wonderful locations in the DFW area. It is... Ed Werder joining us here. And Ed, so much to get into you. It's amazing what can happen involving the Cowboys in a week in which they don't even have a game and didn't have a game with the playoffs. But let's start with Sean Payton walking away from the New Orleans Saints and the immediate thought is, oh, okay, well, I guess he'll be the next Dallas head coach. What are your thoughts on this Dallas connection and and where Sean Payton may wind up eventually? Well, I think two things come to mind immediately for me. And the first one is, that I think the only reason that Jerry Jones hasn't already at some point in the last 15 years made Sean Payton the head coach of the Cowboys is that the timing just never worked out for the two of them. Either, you know, Jerry had a coach under contract that wasn't expiring or Sean uh, had a contract that it wasn't expiring when the the Cowboys had a a position potentially available for Jerry to make a move. So I think now uh, Sean's left the Saints, even though they have contractual control, there's a better chance now for Sean and Jerry to get synced up on timing if they want this to happen, as I've always believed eventually they did. The other thing that strikes me is just how this is not Jerry's philosophy. Jerry Jones has never, ever believed that you should pay a coach top dollar. And now to get Sean Payton, He's going to have to pay off some part of Mike McCarthy's contract, uh, even if he allows him to coach another year this season, as I expect is the current plan. He'd still owe him two more years on his contract after this year, plus whatever assistance. Plus, he'd have to compensate the New Orleans Saints. And I believe the Saints would ask or demand more from the Cowboys than any other team because they're competing with the Cowboys for some of the same fans and for the same NFC Super Bowl berth. And then you have to pay Sean Payton as the highest paid coach in football. So that totally goes against Jerry's philosophy of not paying head coaches, something he's, I'm not sure he's really ever done it. You could argue that he did it briefly with Jimmy Johnson, and you can argue that he, he did it with Bill, Bell, Bill Parcells when he hired him. Um, but, you know, he, Bill just wanted to be paid like the average of the top five coaches of the NFL at the time. That was like $4.5 million. Sean Payton was making twice that. Uh, for the last since 2015, um, but yeah, I think I think eventually there's going to be an opportunity for Jerry to hire Sean Payton, but it's going to be incredibly expensive. Now I always find that amusing, and that, and and I agree with everything you just said. The franchise, I mean Jerry the Jones, I just read this in Forbes the other day. They're worth like 8.8 billion. They print money. I, I never get why he never wants to pay a coach. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Uh, like, it's a drop yeah, in the what, bucket. What has he ever done that demonstrates an appreciation for a head coach? Not Nothing. just in terms of how it much just... he pays him, but look at his relationship with Jimmy. Uh, look at the guys who have had that job. They've not always been the most decorated, accomplished coaches in the NFL. In fact, and you, you might well remember this, but sometime shortly after Jimmy left, 
Jerry bragged that, hey, we're the Dallas Cowboys. We can have the best there is in coaching. And I, my response was always, well, then why don't you? Why don't you ever have the best that there is in coaching? And, and, and I think that's just been true. I just don't think he anyway, – and we've, we've accused him of, to his face before about he doesn't appreciate, you know, the value of a head coach. And he'll always say, oh, that, that's completely wrong. You know, I, there's nobody I respected more than Frank Broyles, who was my coach. He was God, you know, as far as I was concerned. But everything Jerry's done <laughs> since, he's, since he bought the Cowboys has indicated he doesn't really appreciate the value of a top head coach. Hey, let's dig deeper on that, Ed. Why do you think that is? Because he thinks he's capable of doing that job if it was ever his to have. <laughs> <laughs> because the really important job in terms of winning football games is being the general manager and the owner. The head coach is really just kind of the third component. And, and some people are good at it and some people aren't. But plenty of teams win without having a great coach. That's, That's the way I think he views it. Jeez. <laughs> it's what it is and it has been for a long time. How important is it for the Cowboys that Dan Quinn made the decision to come back as defensive coordinator? Well, I think it's, it's great for them that they get a chance to build on this incredible success Dan Quinn had in his first year as a defensive coordinator here. I mean, that's what they did was, was really hard to achieve. Um, and, and they made a big commitment to it beyond hiring Dan Quinn. You know, they, their first six draft picks, starting with Micah Parsons, were uh, all dedicated to the, the uh, defense for the first time in the history of the franchise. Um, you know, ha- they were more aggressive in free agency or more active in free agency than they'd ever been before. And more than half of the players they signed were on defense. So they made a huge commitment and it paid off in a way they probably didn't expect. I mean, as we, as we all witnessed, unbelievably, the Cowboys, you know, halfway through the season were everything we expected. A team 6-1, and one, you know, dominating everybody on offense. But the second half of the season, the defense won as many games as the offense did, and ultimately the failure of the football team in the playoffs was more due to the, to the failure of the offense than it was the defense. Um, and to get to build on that, I think it's huge. I think it's huge for Micah Parsons to come back and build from where he was instead of starting over uh, with somebody who maybe is not as creative, isn't as hands-on as Dan Quinn is. That being said, this isn't what Dan Quinn wanted to happen. You know, Dan, Dan Quinn interviewed for six jobs, and Dan Quinn – wanted to be the head coach of the Denver Broncos, and he wanted to be the head coach of the Chicago Bears rather than the defensive coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys. And when he saw that opportunity go away, then he settled for returning to Dallas, which is not, is not a character assassination or a character flaw of any kind. I mean, he came here, he did a great job, he deserved an opportunity to go out and be a head coach again. Um, didn't quite happen, and so now he's back and he'll try and do it again. I, I also think it's It'd be interesting to find out how Mike McCarthy's status and the availability of Sean Payton now changes how he views the Dallas situation overall. Because I'm sure he felt like, you know, he was going to be loyal to, to Mike McCarthy, who brought him to Dallas. Um, but I'm sure he thought, hey, if, if there's a coaching change in Dallas next year or anytime soon, I'm going to be the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. And now he's got to look at it like, well, that dynamic has changed now with Sean Payton's relative availability now. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think ultimately Sean Payton will be the Cowboys coach at yes. some time in the next two years? I think the next coach of the Dallas Cowboys will be Sean Payton. All right. When that I is, I, I don't know. But um, and, 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 and I, we talked about how expensive it would be to buy out Mike McCarthy's careers and pay off the Saints and then uh, make it, reach a contract agreement with Sean Payton. But like you said, 
Jerry's got money, and the coach coaching staff doesn't count against the cap. I, I just think he's going to get a more all-in guy, a more ready to dedicate himself to being the coach if Sean Payton takes a year off and Jerry hires him, hires him after this year. Now, if Jerry's really unlucky, Mike McCarthy will go win the Super Bowl this next year, right? <laughs> but, but I would say, hey, he got rid of Jimmy Johnson after he won two, so not even that makes Mike McCarthy safe. Um, it's true. This, this has been uh, quite a debate on social media and amongst some, some media people. Do you think there's a big difference between Peyton and McCarthy? Because when you look at the records, they're, you know, basically even. Right. They've they've both been to the playoffs like nine times. They've both been. I think Sean's been to three NFC Championship games. Mike's actually been to four. They've obviously both had, you know, some of the, two of the greatest quarterbacks in in history. Uh, the benefit of the consistency that those you know, Aaron Rodgers provided in Green Bay and Drew Brees provided the Saints. I I would say that. As we as we saw last year, I think Sean, and this is a point Michael Irvin's made. You know, I think Sean's done a better job of winning without his best players than Mike has done. Um, I think Mike does a good job when he ha- doesn't have his best players as long as he has his quarterback. But I think Sean's been able to do that. You know, like this last year. How are they? In the, how are they set up to make the playoffs when the Rams are up seventeen nothing at halftime the final week of the regular season when they played? what, 58 different starters, the most in, in NFL history last year, and the teams that they passed in that regard, the teams that had been at 53 different starters and 55 different starters, those teams were like won three games, won five games. You know, they won they won eight games, um, nine games, without with 58 different players after being displaced for a hurricane for a couple weeks to start the season, with all the COVID issues that they had with their coaching staff. And they played four different quarterbacks. We saw what happened to the Cowboys when they played four different quarterbacks. <laughs> so yeah, I would say in that I would say I would say most people think that Sean Payton is a significantly better coach than, than Mike McCarthy, even though their records indicate they're similarly accomplished. So as we move forward from Cowboys to this weekend and the two conference title games. Let's just start with the the early one there with the Bengals who somehow have made it back to an AFC championship game for the first time since 1988. The Chiefs, we all know, four years in a row. Talk us through this matchup and who you think emerges representing the AFC. Well, you know, Patrick Mahomes has 23 touchdown passes and one interception and his only home playoff loss in, in his career has been Tom Brady in a game that they could have won that too if it hadn't been for an offside penalty. Um, at just the wrong time. Uh, we know that Cincinnati beat uh, Kansas City just a couple weeks, four weeks ago. And, you know, Joe Burrow is the first quarterback drafted number one overall to reach a conference championship game in its first or second season in the NFL. Nobody's ever done that before. The problem for him, I think, is, you know, he got sacked nine times last week and they won. And he got sacked 50 times and led the NFL in being sacked, and no quarterback who's ever been the most sacked quarterback in any season has made the Super Bowl. So he's up against it from that point of view. You know, home field disadvantage, playing against Mahomes, playing it really Kansas City ought to be able to get pressure and get sacked with a four-man rush, and they ought to be able to dedicate themselves to playing defense in the secondary. But in two of the last four weeks, they've allowed a 200-yard, three-touchdown pass game by – Jamar Chase one time in week 17, and then Gabriel Davis last week 
for the Bills in the divisional round of the playoffs. They're the only team in NFL history to allow two 200-yard, three touchdown receiving games in a season, and they've done it in the past month. I'd say there's, some, there, there's a real possibility that the Bengals can win this game, but I'm going to ultimately believe that Patrick Mahomes is not going to lose at home to somebody who's never been to this point. What about the other game? How do you like it? Well, the, the other game's interesting because the, you know, the 49ers have, have won six straight against the Rams. Um, the Rams could have eliminated them week 17. They were up 17 nothing at the half, and it became the only game Sean McVay's ever lost as a head coach when leading at halftime. And, I mean, for, I, think, I just think the 49ers physically and mentally are the toughest team in football. Um, you know, to go out and beat the Rams to make the playoffs on the road, then come to Dallas and win that game and never trail against a higher-seeded team, then go to Green Bay and beat the number one seed without an offensive touchdown, those are incredible feats. But ultimately, I have to think that Jimmy Garoppolo's inability to be a significant part um, of the game is going to hurt the 49ers. Now, I say that he's only thrown, what, one touchdown pass in four playoff games, but he's 4-1. and one. He's 4-1 and one in his playoff career, and the only loss came in the Super Bowl. He's thrown one touchdown pass in his last four playoff wins. Are the 49ers really that good at running the football and playing defense? It seems to me his job is don't make a mistake that loses it and we'll take care of the rest. Yeah, that's what it's been. And you would think that it would catch up to them, but it hasn't yet. And they, they got to this point once before with the same quarterback and played around him and got to the Super Bowl, and he was one throw away from winning it. Um, yeah. but, but, and against the Chiefs. But I think the Rams, I think the Rams are the better team. But the 49ers are awfully good on defense, and they attack you. They challenge your defense, you know, in a way that you, you don't that teams are unaccustomed to. We see we saw how Green Bay uh, reacted to it. We saw how Dallas reacted to it, and it wasn't good. No, it wasn't at all. And, and and if it ends up being, if the Rams can pull this out, and we end up having Rams Chiefs Super Bowl, it'll give everybody a course, and, and obviously a different quarterback for the Rams, but. Everybody will be talking about that one, what was that, a Thursday night game, I think, when they went ballistic on each other, whatever that was? I think it was a game that was supposed to be played in Mexico and yeah. then got relocated That's to right. Los Angeles and was played at the Coliseum. I actually covered that game, I think, for Westwood 1. And it was, what was the, I don't remember, was the final score like 51 48? Yeah, something ridiculous. Like, didn't both, did both teams not have 50 points? Was it 51 49 or something like that? Or. Anyway, it was a ridiculous track meet of a game, and Mahomes turned the ball over a bunch of times, like four times, and they, they you know, it still was one of the great finishes in NFL history, although you could argue he was just part of a better one last weekend. Yeah, you could. Yeah, and, and to your point, Ed was right. It was 54-51. The Rams Damn. won. There was a combined 35 points in the fourth quarter of that game. Jeez. It was very much like the game we just saw him play last week uh, in the divisional round against the Bills. And it was a thrilling game. And then I think that, so I think that game, that matchup to me has a lot more allure than does seeing the 49ers play the Chiefs again <laughs> when they just played two years ago. And now if it was Trey Lance playing quarterback, it might be interesting, but Jimmy Garoppolo, I really think would diminish expectations for that game. If it's Matthew Stafford trying to win it all after all those 13 bad years in Detroit, yeah. never winning a playoff game, and he's trying to win his first Super Bowl against, you know, the young phenom Patrick Mahomes, the young master, I think it would be a fantastic matchup. 
Uh, one last question I'm curious about. What do you think about Andy Reid as a coach? And here's what I'm getting at. He took the Eagles to four straight championship games. Now he's got the Chiefs there. And it doesn't seem to me like people count him as one of the all-time great coaches, and he's doing this in the league of parody. And it seems like Belichick is the only guy who's better than him right now. Didn't didn't he become the only coach this year to win over 100 regular season games with two different teams, the Eagles and the Chiefs? Mm. Um yeah, I, I think he's done a remarkable job. I think he always has great coaching staff. Uh, he always has, you know, great quarterbacks. And I remember that when he elevated Mahomes and, and that decision became uh, obviously the right one, that one of his assistant coaches said to me, you know what this means? And I said, no. And he said, it means Andy's going to coach till he's 75 because he's never going to let anybody else have Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> and, of course, they, they signed Patrick Mahomes to a 10-year contract now, so. Yeah, I think Andy Reid gets overlooked in the whole thing because Patrick is so great. Um, but credit credit to the Chiefs. I mean, you know, they were they were winning the division the year that they went out and made the trade up to go get Patrick Mahomes, even though they had Alex Smith and they had a team that just been to the playoffs and would go again that next year. You know, and they were patient with Patrick Mahomes, and those things just don't happen very often anymore to have that kind of foresight. You know, Andy Reid, I mean, he's an older guy and he's been in the league a long time, but he's really been – kind of aligned with, you know, he was one of the first coaches to, to to go into the RPOs and the quarterback option type plays. He was really all about that on the cutting edge of all that. He hired, you know, Colin Kaepernick's former coach um, in college and had him on his staff to bring in some of the option elements uh, to the Chiefs offense when they when, when Alex Smith was their starting quarterback. Ed Werder, as always, man, we appreciate the time. Thanks for doing it. All right, talk to you next week, guys. See you. All right, see you. All right, buddy. There he is, ESPN NFL insider Ed Werder. Again, as always, brought to you by Medea from Scratch with their three Dallas area locations, Grapevine, Flower Mound, and Plano. You can make it happen with Medea from Scratch. Get out and enjoy some delicious food. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. Also brought to you by Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America. Let him help you secure your family's future. You can give him a call at 940-453-3490. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.